Welcome back, Red Spotters. I'm Alexis filling in for some host, and today we have episode 112 discussing some news that perhaps we recorded before, maybe didn't get uh, edited, and nobody's to blame, but somebody is deep down, and they know it. Uh, I am joined here by Peter Martinez, and we're going to discuss, uh, as I mentioned before, things that we hadn't gotten to before, like our thoughts on Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and maybe down the line other things that interest us. It's one of those episodes where we just go on and on, and we hope you stay with us. There is no news, because I have deemed it so, and so we're going to get right into Incredibles 2. Uh, which was released around three weeks ago, I want to say, at this point. Two or three weeks? Maybe two weeks? I forget. Let's say three. Just, just... It, it feels really like three at it this point. It feels like three. And it, it was uh, the highest opening weekend for an animated film of all time, uh, here domestically, at $180 million. Um, and so far, last I checked, it has grossed somewhere around $600 million worldwide. And uh, we also have an After Dark on the channel about Incredibles 2. And yeah, I think basically, as far as I'm concerned, I enjoyed the film. I like these characters. I think it was a good movie. Uh, I think the animation was stellar. I think the score was impeccable. Uh, Great uh, voice work. Some nice action. Yes, that was that too. And overall, I think it is a satisfying event in the theater that won't really register much after you walk out of it because I feel the story is quite... Why are you being a hater? I learned it from you. Okay. And I think... After walking away from the movie, you probably will start to forget it, because the reality is the story isn't that great. And as we're recording this, as we said two or three weeks since we've watched it, I think it's pretty evident I we've all but forgotten <laughs> the experience, but um, the humor, I think, was standout. But, yeah, Peter... Um, here we go again. Again, I once again fill in. Talking about a Pixar movie, it's a sequel. We know how this is going to go, yeah. but with reason. Go ahead. Yes, okay. Um, Pixar is a very different company than it used to be, and you can say it's that again. been that way for a while now. Um, apparently, out of the three of us, I was the only one who noticed it, and now, thankfully, the other two have finally come to their senses. <laughs> but this this really was the, like, 14th nail in the coffin for me. Um, final nail in the coffin for me. Because this was the one sequel that had the potential to be great from Pixar. All the other ones were obvious cash grabs they really were but this one had the real potential to be something and as far as i'm concerned it's just another cash grab it, it's a it's a wonderfully well-made cash grab but it's a film that has nothing to say 
it exists simply to exist and is it fun yeah but that wasn't what the original Incredibles was the original it was fun but it was a lot more than fun it was so much more than that and I think one of the biggest issues with nostalgia is you get attached to so many things in films that you you need to realize they don't matter the only reason you care about these things is because they were attached to a film that made you feel something that took you on a unique journey and you understood that and you felt that that's why you got attached to mr incredible and mrs incredible and the whole family it wasn't because they had awesome superpowers and they punched each other and it was funny sometimes it was because they had real human moments and they had um real family drama that was just so um similar to what everyone family an actual family would go through it was superheroes but i think and and then just going back on the scene one of the the striking scenes just to back up what you're saying about Mm -hmm. the first incredibles that first dinner scene after you know uh, Bob has you know trashed the car and Dash had gotten in trouble in school and Violet and her thing and they're all having like a dinner discussion. That was that was superheroes, but it wasn't really. They were just human beings and they were having a very human and uh, substantive conversation that you forget you were watching a superhero movie. Technically, even an animated movie, mm-hmm. technically speaking, and. They tried emulating that, I think, in Incredibles too, but I don't think the subject matter lended itself to be that relatable, I it guess. W- it was somewhat relatable. It just wasn't compelling whatsoever. <laughs> that was the issue. And a lot of people before this film came out, they're like, it's been 14 years. Um, Literally, while we were watching it in the theater, somebody screamed, 14 years, as the yeah. <laughs> as the lights went down. And the... And the uh, literally... You know what? You know what? You know what's <laughs> worse than children at a kids movie? Adults at a kids movie, mm. specifically Disney fan adults. Yeah. And believe me, I'm surrounded by them constantly. Though I think to be fair, though, if you're going to lump everybody but you that's uh-huh. on this channel yes, in that I category, do, I will do that. Lumpy. Not all of us are characteristic of what that person did. What that person did when she screamed 14 years is very much a Kyle Lyra type. Yes. I'm very and, much speaking on the Kyle... But the Kyle Lyra type, I think, is is your base model for these people, I think. And maybe that's why they're so annoying. Maybe. We, we need to do further testing. But to be fair, though, I... I and I, I also had a similar experience with this in a different sh- screening that we'll talk about in, in a future episode. I never, and this is going to, we're going to get sidetracked here. Uh-huh. I never understood the need to, for people who, they act as if watching a movie in a theater is this interactive experience. Well, in, in, in interactive in the sense that you feel the need as an audience member mm-hmm. to participate in a sense, like comment along with the movie and audibly do and say things that quite frankly annoy everybody else in the theater. Like for that one instance when this one woman screamed 14 years, who was very much somebody of our age demographic mm-hmm. who grew up with the film. It's, it's an, I feel like it's an American thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Cause when, when I hear about people from, it's like, no, they just sit there and then they watch. God, and I'm then so jealous. 
But it's that way for everything. Because I saw an interview once, I can't remember who it was, but she's English and she's done plays, you know, in the United States and Mm -hmm. in England. And she's like, the main difference I've seen between the two is that Americans are very, and I think she used the word like interactive. (laughs) Like, um, they audibly make noises and say things and they eat. Which is, okay, (laughs) to be clear though. We all enjoy a good mix of that in the theater experience. Which it depends makes it, on the film. depends on the film and it depends on what's going on. Yeah. But again, I'd also argue it depends on definitely depends on the individual and what they feel is it's okay for them to do. It's, it's a double edged sword. It it really for is. example, it's not okay in the middle of the movie to stand up and applaud for showing some kind of scare factory. It's not okay for standing up and yelling out at Lotso hugging stuff, fuck you, while there are children sitting right next to you. It's also not okay to ironically applaud Olaf's frozen adventure while everybody in the theater is beyond annoyed that they were forced to sit through a 20-minute episode. I See, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> His applause weren't ironic. That's that's the sad truth of it. Um, going back to The Incredibles, let's let's bring it around. A lot of people before The Incredibles came out were saying it's been fourteen years. How is Incredibles going to comment on the way that um, superhero films have changed since then? They it doesn't. That. It does by literally becoming a standard MCU film. Instead of commenting on the current status of superhero films, it just became one. And it was all the lesser for it. And what I mean by that is it strips down the drama to where it's very basic. Um, it ups the humor and it ups the action scenes. Mm-hmm. To the and it, and it very much becomes a film like, I, I can't comment on it. Because I haven't seen it yet, but you have Ant Man and the Wasp, where well, I just said I can't comment on it. Now I'm going to comment on it. <laughs> where it's a film where you see it, you you have fun watching it, and then that's it. The only it, issue I have with you saying that is that mm-hmm. I don't think, because I know that's not what your intention is. But when you say it, it, it it's like it, it's MCU'd. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of films in the MCU that are not just that. Yes, but I would say about half of them are, if not more than half. Okay. Because remember, I I don't say this lightly, because you remember we did our ranking for the MCU films. Yeah. And you remember that was a big thing. At that point, it was about half. It was over half, but then we saw Avengers Infinity War, and then it became half, about right. equal. But now, Ant-Man of the Wasp is out. And I have a feeling, once I see that, it'll go right back to being over half. Just being like, this is just, don't care, passable, can slide it off. And the more ex- the actual exceptional films of the MCU, again, that's still a lot of exceptional films. Well, I don't know if you can lower your expectations anymore, but having seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, Incredibles 2 is far and above okay. a masterpiece compared to Ant-Man and the Wasp. So... <laughs> I'll go in with expectations lowered. Um, but yeah, when it comes to this film, it's it, it I feel bad because it's it's entertaining. I like this movie. 
I want to I want to make sure that that comes across in this. Mm-hmm. I just there, but at the same time though, I there's nothing in here that makes me want to care about it further than oh that I was don't. a good time at the movies. I saw it. I was like, oh, that was fun. Yeah. There was some fun jokes, some well done action sequences, and then now I. I'm I'm already forgetting. It's been three weeks. Yeah. I've already forgotten some of the film. There's some major things I remember, but mostly because I disliked the way they were handled. Mm-hmm. Um, I again, I just feel I do think that superhero films as a whole get a huge pass. I agree, considering age. what I've seen. There, like, and I, again, I don't want to go back to Ant Man and the Wasp because we're not talking about that here. But if you look at my Twitter feed. Uh, I'm kind of frankly shocked at how people. It's as almost, long as it's inoffensive, yeah, it's good. You get a pass, yeah, a, a major pass of anything. And again, I let me bring up what I always bring up: mm-hmm. the Last Jedi, um, like Grace Randolph, our our favorite. <laughs> she made a comment saying after railing against the quote-unquote SJWs and all of this, she said, you know, I don't think they would... I still don't think they would have this issue, this um, mutiny, if they had just given Luke Skywalker a badass action sequence. He did. By the way, he did. But But you, you know what they mean. And to me, it's like, that's kind of... You don't think that's kind of an issue, though? Mm-hmm. Like... And I and that's the thing too. I people, people were, Star Wars is a lot more controversial. I'll use that word right now. It's a lot harder to please please Star Wars fans, but people were fine with the Force Awakens, despite the fact that everyone says they hated it. They really didn't. The same with Rogue maybe One because it was inoffensive. So, that that's I that's my point. Yeah. If the Last Jedi had shaved off the edges and just made it inoffensive passable entertainment people there would no not be a mutiny people would still be complaining though because people complained about force awakens remember we, we said this mm-hmm. on this show many times is that including us mm-hmm. by the way we still like force awakens in case that yeah. wasn't cleared up um although last jedi is so much better um because i saw both of them this week and it's just anyway it it really did feel though that when we first when we when the whole world saw that movie Force Awakens the first week everybody was like oh my god it's back and it was fun and Ray and Poe and Finn and all these new characters then one week later Mary Sue and it just it, it went downhill all from there but like look at Rogue One they gave you a a, a, a f- giant action sequence mm-hmm. and then Vader being badass and the whole film is forgiven. If they had done that with The Last Jedi and had a crazy, you know, backflip prequel like it would be the same thing and tying it back to Incredibles 2, I feel like that's what's going on here. Oh, they you you saw characters you like. It's not that they did anything interesting. They just did action scenes. But they did action scenes and then they were just there. Like, this is incredible. To get into more specific details, and spoilers, Helen. obviously. Helen. We do um, first name basis here. Yes, Helen. Um, alas, thick girl. Um, While she, animated, beautiful. Yes. Beautiful animation. Can I just... The animation on Elastigirl is just absolutely stupendous. 
Um, and unlike some uh, unsophisticated people in nature would say, uh, the animation <laughs> was, I think, a little bit... Uh, you could tell in so many ways how much the animation had advanced from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Because literally, as the, as the film begins, and there should be spoilers here, with Tony Reidinger, it's a completely different character model than the first movie, and just looking at that scene like side by side, the, the environments and the character models are just vastly different. So yeah. if somebody out there wants to say that, let's just say one animated sequel had jarring animation in comparison to the first, and they're not talking about this one, they're probably, I don't know, insane. Continue, Peter. No shade there. Um, Mrs. Incredible... She like her story is just nothing. It's literally nothing. She she gets a new job, and it's like every time you come back to her, she's doing an action sequence, and then you cut away, and then you come back. Oh, she's doing another big action sequence. Good action you, sequences, mind you. They're well done. Yeah. And then you cut back, oh, she's doing another action sequence. And then by then, it's like, oh, the screen slaver. And then they have, like, a, a movie twist from, like, 1993. <laughs> like, it's... it's The second the movie started, everyone already knew what the twist was. And I'd even add quickly, though, a lot of people who... A lot of the... What I like to call the vlogger celebrity re- reviewers online, on YouTube especially that love this film and have compared it side by side as equal with the first Incredibles, even they say the villain was so predictable because of how immediately you you knew this plot twist was going. And I'm going to stop you right there because here's my tirade. Because we've only seen this plot twist in a Disney movie for the past 10 years, literally in almost every Disney film or every other Disney film. I know I said that we recorded this in the past, but I really just blew up because when you think about how many times we've had this simple plot twist, right? Regardless of how well or not it's executed, and we acknowledge that some films have executed better than others, this by far being the worst, by the way, um, the, the, the twist of this hidden villain being in, in front of your eyes the entire time, and then at the last... Before we get to the third act, it's revealed to you who this person actually is. And if you think about it, really, if you really think about it, we have seen this multiple times. In fact, even as I'm realizing it, I just another one just occurred to me. So we're talking about uh, Ernesto de la Cruz and Coco. Yeah. We're talking about uh, that sheep in Zootopia. If we're talking, you know, the the, the Madame Mayor or the second mayor. Yeah, the mayor. Character. Uh, we're talking about the the masked guy in Big Hero Six. Uh, we're talking about um, what are the other ones? And I'm there are other ones. <laughs> and I'm blanking out though mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, even when I just re- it, it 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 occurred to me. Um, what's his name? Lotso Huggin Bear in Toy Story Three even. And what what. What it's makes just, it so yeah. bad is this is by far the worst I've ever seen it executed. Mm-hmm. Because, again, the reasoning... I guess Wreck-It Ralph that also qualifies? The king can't... Kind of. But but you see how repetitive this gets, right? Even Frozen, Hans, I guess, was because like, he was there in plain sight, and then it was like, aha, I'm the villain. And I'm like, 
why does it have to be that in every Disney film, the villain has to be revealed in this way? You realize it's it's becoming oh so predictable now. But not only that, this is I think it's not only the worst executed, but the least interesting. <laughs> like I don't give a shit about this character. And then the screen slaver just mounts off so much dialogue about like you stare at screens and technology, blah 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 blah. And it, it but then that also has nothing to do with the motivations of the actual villain. So am I supposed to take his screen? No, because it's seriously? just gibberish. But it, it's it's just a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. And, and if you compare that, and again, this also is another trend where every time Pixar does a sequel, they focus on the side character. Like I called that, by the way, I think months ago, right? Yeah. yeah I might as well. Might as well have called that. Like if Toy Story 2 were coming out next year, it would focus on Buzz. And Buzz is... God. It would be shit. The only thing I'd argue, I'd, I'd push back on this uh-huh. because while because Car- Finding Dory, <laughs> no, well, no, 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 well, it has nothing to do with Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say while 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 um, Cars Two is clearly focused on Mater, while uh, Monsters University is clearly clearly focused on Mike, and while Dory is focused on Dory, I think. See, because I actually watched this a second time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you did? Oh, yeah, because wow. there was nothing else. I was thinking to see Jurassic World again, so I said, what the fuck, I'll watch it again. It's so depressing right now for the movie theater. I literally had to, like, yeah, I want to get into do that. You, you, this is a little off topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't watch the Mission Impossible films, huh? No, but I've seen the new trailer so mm-hmm. many times where I'm curious to see it. I think because if you enjoy the James Bond films, like, you, we, we went and saw Spectre. We had a good time in the theater. I'm not saying you're a fan, but you go and you have a good time, right? You you don't want to say anything nice about James Bond right now. Just blink once if you agree. If okay, we had, there was if a we, blink. There if was we a had blink. A, a video feed right now, you think people could see my skin literally crawl. For use, I did enjoy Skyfall, and I enjoyed Spectre they're and Casino Royale. They're good times at the. Theater. Yes, they are, but okay. I I don't care for those movies other than oh, they were good movies. Yeah. So I enjoy the recent Mission Impossible's even more than I as far as spy films, mm-hmm. like the last one, Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I think they've been received more. very well. Yeah. So I'd say. It's it's been a dry spell this summer. Well, we'll so get... check that out. Check and that uh, yeah, out. It, it's been pretty depressing. But I was gonna say is uh, while the trailer very much like okay, it's a Lassa Girls movie. I kind of go back and forth because I it, it kind of feels like because like if you go back on that trailer, right? It's mm-hmm. like oh, Elastigirl's well, Girl's out there and she's doing her thing while Bob stays at home. It really is more about Bob being Mister Mom, if no, anything. But see that that's my point. It's the it's it's the inverse of the first film. Yeah. The first film, Bob was going out, and then yeah. she was staying with the yeah. kids. And this one, it's like, oh, she's going and doing yeah. the adventure, and he's doing. Yes. But the difference is, his adventure right. in the first film was actually compelling. Yeah. There there was actually um, he was actually an interesting character because he was actively putting his family in danger, but you understood why he was doing it. Mm-hmm. You understood his need to go out there, and do what he was doing to be saving people 
and the distress that put not only on his marriage but his kids and um there was a lot of interesting stuff going on character wise there compare that to this one what's interesting going character wise with mrs incredible nothing absolutely uh, nothing the, the one thing that's interesting is jack jack but blowing up even... raccoons and that's cool and it's looney tunes i love that there was like a little looney tune special in the they, middle the of the movie, movie just stopped and had a a, a short but it was a good sh- if, if that was a short though that would mm-hmm. be pretty great that yes was... i agree but it that really shows me it's just like well we don't really have anything to say so we're just gonna throw entertaining fun stuff on which there. i mean another film that did kind of that this year where it stopped everything was a hilarious deadpool 2 sequence uh, X Force. Oh, but well, that that's, was that's different because it's that's, good. <laughs> you know, but that's kind of the point of that film as yes. well. <laughs> right. Um, isn't Deadpool two great? I really want. I've only it. seen it once. I've seen it three times in theaters. Really? Yes, you I really, loved. You I really loved it. This. I almost even saw it this past uh, week because it was still playing. Oh, it's wow. like should I see that again for the fourth time? I'm like, oh, no, I can't talk. I, I probably know. won't see it till it comes out again. But I loved it. it. Much more than the first one, to be honest with you. I love this one much more. But going back to Incredibles 2, you're right, this this trend of just like using the side characters and pushing them to the forefront, it's that's become obvious and look, that wouldn't be a problem if it were if they were they actually had anything interesting yes, to do with yes. this. And it's not and I'm tired of it. And overall it's just like look, while this is a good film, while this is a nice, satisfying event in the theater, what's really happening here is a lot of people are banking on nostalgia to the point where I think it's really blinding a lot of people into thinking that this is an actual film that is compelling enough as the first movie, and it's not. And I think it's what, yet another Pixar sequel that failed to recapture the magic of the first, and it shouldn't have existed in the first place, and it only exists to make money. And if you look at the box office and the fan reaction, you know why it exists because it actually sells. And I think this, in totality, encapsulates what Disney has done with Pixar. No, what Disney. Pixar has done, Disney has done with the movie industry. Yeah. Well, I no, I'm no it we're, that not, far. we're not. We're no, we're not. We're not there yet. We're not okay. there. Yet. We're going there, but we're not there yet. As far as... No, I don't think Disney has killed Star Wars. I think Disney has killed Pixar. And I think Mm -hmm. more so than any other time now, it is more evident. Because I... Look, here's the thing with you and me. I had such high hope for this because I wanted these movies to succeed. I think you did too. I'm not that cynical in nature. I guess I am now. But... um, You're welcome. (laughs) I they didn't say thank. I actually not thankful for that. I kind of hate you for that, but um, I can show you the world. <laughs> the reality is, these movies have failed to be anything more than what they are, and what they are is barely anything. Well, they're nothing really, and they should stop doing this. Again, if this was like a pilot. For an Incredibles TV show, TV show, I'd be like, "This is great!" I, I, I coming this... soon to the Disney streaming service, 2020. <laughs> I would, I would be supportive though. I'd be like, you know what? They Let's have do it. Something here. This is a lot of fun. Not um, Incredibles three. No. Which probably, considering how the receipts are, it's definitely going to be made now. Um, but at least I can go in without high hopes. So that's good. <laughs> Well, you didn't go into high hopes this time. I no, I didn't. You... But I mean, because you knew what you were going to get into. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, Inside Out and Coco are nice. We got those. Yes, those are great. 
Those are great. This, this is why Pixar, I'd rather you strike out with an original concept. Like Good Dinosaur and Brave. Y- yes. Then just aim for the middle. Aim for nostalgia and merely existing with these sequels. Speaking of nostalgia and merely existing as far as sequels go, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. I wanted to say before we move on. Oh, damn it. That was such a good transition. It was, but I'm going to pull it back. One of the biggest laughs in the movie was seeing John Lasseter's name on the credits. <laughs> and I think you laughed hard at that, too. I laughed because I, I knew it would, like... John Lasseter, if you're out there, uh, I don't know. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> he's not listening to this. But still, even if he was, fuck him. Um... Oh Jurassic yeah, Jurassic World. World. That's a movie that happened. Um, <laughs> oh, God. This is another one where it's just like you aim for the middle and you'll always succeed. Because even though it's gotten like negative reviews and, and a, lot, a lot of people are just like, eh, it's not that great. It's still, it wasn't like offensive. It wasn't awful. Um. Oh, I think it was awful. But, no, awful from a general audience point of view. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because, like, again, tying it back to Star Wars, because that's what I do best. One of the big complaints you saw from a lot of um, hardcore, quote-unquote, Star Wars fans is that The Last Jedi was disrespectful. I think the worst thing was nothing in a respectful. lot of people's minds today a film can be is, quote-unquote, disrespectful. And by that, I mean challenging the audience. And this film does not do that at all. It gives the fan service. It gives action set pieces. It, just like Incredibles, it gives characters that just... But I mean, I, I'd even exist. argue it's, it's the most offensive sequel for being boring. Yes. This was the first Jurassic... Um, whatever film. Because we don't hate the sequels. In fact, no. we... They think we... I think the strange thing about you and I, this is where we agree on one of the few things, is we actually enjoy Lost World 3 and Jurassic World to varying degrees, but we find enjoyment in those movies. They're not anything good, but... I don't, I don't think they're good films, but I can throw any four of the other ones on and enjoy it. The only great film is Jurassic Park, and I was actually watching it a little bit earlier. It's compelling. On um, Netflix. Yeah. I'm like, God damn... Spielberg, what happened? Um, <laughs> what, what, excuse me? I only said that because I knew it would get it. A, a I reaction. didn't even hear what you said. It's I like, s- what happened? He's been making Best Picture nominees. Oh, okay. That's what he's there been doing. Is. There it is. Best Picture nominees, yes. Best Actress nominees. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, Best Picture winner. Um, <laughs> but one of the best scenes in Jurassic Park, the more, as you know, because usually when we're kids, it's all about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. But as you, I think that film really ages well in particular when you grow up because. The scene that, that's most memorable in my head right now is that scene when they're all having dinner in the dark room and Jeff yes. Goldblum and, and uh, John Hammond are going back at it about the implications of what this means. That's compelling to me. But you know what's so amazing? Is The Post, Bridge of Spies, and Lincoln. <laughs> Thank you. You put that on a what's trademark. What's so amazing is the moment in which you're first introduced to the uh, Brachiosaurus and you know the music swelling, mm, dun, dun, right. dun, dun. like that is still 
moving. Yeah. It still gets to you. I was watching that scene on a small, like, smartphone mm-hmm. like, the other week, and it was like, I had to sit down and watch. It, it's, and, it's still endlessly compelling. Yeah. After all these years and yeah. so many sequels that you see the same thing over and over. Um, the point is, the, the, other, the other sequels... I varying degrees I've never been bored watching them I can watch them and have fun with them yeah this one I couldn't even have fun with and it was, I was nothing just so bored and I was just like this movie's kind of happening and then it stopped and it just jumped off a cliff at the end and and <laughs> but what's funny is I am I so want to see Jurassic World 3 because that's the film that's gonna be like mwah like they like just so stupid shit your pants run into a wall just what independence dumb. day two level what independence day three would have been because oh remember we i still want to see i still would have seen that I movie i want to see that movie where it just goes <laughs> it just loses all pretense of trying to be this certain film right and just takes the stupidest elements and runs with it because you know for a fact Jurassic World 3, we're getting that post-apocalyptic dinosaur mayhem that is, just just do it. Go for gold. Um, what's what's his name? Goldblum. Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow. Go for it. Uh, have Ian Malcolm, like, lead a group of survivors in, in the dinosaur wasteland. And they, you know, they they have to hunt at night for, to eat dinosaurs. But, you know, during the day, they have to hide from the raptors. Just go for that stupid, stupid shit. Schlock B-movie badness. Because that's, that's so actually interesting on some level. at least fun. Right. It's like you're laughing, you're having a good time. Like, this is so stupid. Because, I mean, like, we did, we liked the first Independence Day. Independence yes. Day Two is not a good movie at all, but there was some, there was just stupid shit that you just so laughed stupid. at, right? I was having a good time. Like that, that, right? That ending was just like amazing in the best way possible. That I actually would want to see that movie. I want to see the third one. I <laughs> crowdfund that shit. Um, can I? Can I have you read my tweet for okay. Jurassic World? I will be reading Alexis J Soto's tweet. By the way, find him at at Great, Great the Alexis. The Alexis. Um, Tweet him how much you hate him. Thank you. Okay. And as, this is his tweet. And as far as hashtag Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is concerned, I was there. I sat at a movie theater. I saw the movie. It started. It ended. And that was it. Then Kyle Lear and I left for B-dubs and inserted alcoholic liquid into our bodies. So it was, it was, it was something that happened, and I think that's definitely what you can say. <laughs> it's definitely something that happened. Um, but this, like this one again, it's it shoots for nostalgia, and it doesn't even do fun, dumb stuff with it. Doesn't it, even it, do anything it's good. Boring, with it, yeah. dumb stuff. Like the whole first half of the movie is the lost world yeah and it's not even as good as the lost world it's it's far worse and it, it's, it's so boring first of all can we just stop there because mm-hmm. look it's the lost world and it's so much worse because it's boring we've already seen it done before but also whatever i don't think kevin like um chris pratt and bryce dallas How- howard had 
what you would call good chemistry in Jurassic World? Or they even... feel like movie stars. They don't even yes. feel like human beings. They felt like movie stars, but it's so much worse here. Yeah. There's like nothing going on here. Bryce Dallas Howard's character feels like she's in another movie almost. And and her like first of all, this this whole story of people feeling sympathy for these dinosaurs, especially her of all people and the and the two people that she's with that follow her. I felt the movie could have be it really just began and ended with again, just listening to Ian Malcolm. He opened the movie, right? By the way, proud of you, Jeff Golden, for cashing in that easy paycheck. Oh my god. Keep doing it. You I keep <laughs> God bless you, Jeff Goldblum. You didn't even get them to have you stand up. You sat there, you said your lines, and you walked out with that check. Good on you. I do that. It's amazing. Yes. It's it's an easy paycheck, but I think he was right. He's well, always right. Well, I mean, the, but also just let the island burn and wipe them out. But that's also the thing. Like, I'm not, like, sympathetic to anything they're doing. Because no. for one... They already have the technology, so if they wanted to clone more dinosaurs, they could clone more dinosaurs. Like that's it's why not is that like, never established though? Like it's not out of reach. Like also like, wait wait is it who has it, is it at the beginning or the end of the movie? Because I only feel like B D Wong has like the ingredients or whatever. At it the should beginning. be though because everyone has access to the little mosquitoes. Oh, that's right. You know you the get Maserati yourself, Corporation, whatever had that had the park opened. If you have any corporation or government can just dig up some of those sap um, mosquitoes mm-hmm. and make your own dinosaurs, bing, bang, boom. Like, it's it's common knowledge now how to do this. And also, what's his... Why, why are they, like, saving the dinosaurs? Because they have vials. Like, the, B.D. Wong, he has all the DNA. He has everything he has to make dinosaurs. Except Why? one that they go back to and open the movie with. But don't you have raptor DNA? I'm pretty sure he does. And the only reason they capture them is to sell them. But I feel like it's far more expensive to mount a, that giant expedition they did. And you, you see it, it's humongous yeah. to capture them and bring them back than it is to just make your own dinosaurs over again. I also just want to say something at that point. I, I get that you wanted to have it at the ma- at that manner mm-hmm. because you wanted it to be a place where the buyers can come to and buy the dinosaurs, but I failed to see how even people like that would find it a good idea to transfer dinosaurs off of an island and into the actual world. Again, we have seen dinosaurs get off the island for years now. We've seen it with uh, mm-hmm. the ending of Jurassic Park 3. But I think really the biggest consequence out of this is that I think there are just failed minds working here to the point where, okay, Bryce Dallas Howard almost pushed the button that released the, the dinosaurs from the manor. I know we're getting to the ending here, but I don't care. Mm-hmm. To, so, because the dinosaurs were dying of the gas or whatever was going on in there. And of course you had this last minute plot twist clone girl because she's there. I guess the only reason she was there was so she could push the button and say they're like me. And that I guess was supposed to mean something of any kind of substance or relevance but it didn't really re- register with By anybody. By the way, Steven Spielberg loved <clears throat> that twist. What happened? 
uh, he made Best Picture nominees and Best Picture uh, winners. So, an Oscar winners. In fact, you want to say what happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, he directed an actor to win an Oscar away from Sylvester Stallone. Ready Player One? No, Mark Rylance. So, oh, yeah, he was in that movie, huh? Yeah. That's nice. His um, best performance ever. <laughs> did you, you actually liked him in that movie, didn't you? That's the one point where I'm like, he's actually acting. Not just sort of being himself. He was. Uh, he was. He, he delivered talking. a great performance in Bridge of Spies, but we will agree to disagree there. We never will agree on that. This movie, well, you, you I said things, then you finish it off. I'm, with what I, I was like, saying about the, the dinosaurs just being allowed to roam free, yeah. Which, how could you let that happen? That's the end of the world. And you know what's so funny about that is that Ian Malcolm, you say he's the voice of reason. I don't think, not not at the end of the film. At the end of the film, he's yeah. like, we have to learn now to cohabitate with these creatures. Well, because what it choices is now- there now? Well, I mean, there are, the, well, what choices There's are you? There's obvious hunt them choices. Down. You hunt them, those motherfuckers. Damn. But like you said, though, everyone has the formula now. And then they're going to make their own dinosaurs. Now they're going to get out. Yeah, and then you hunt them down. Like, if someone releases a pack of a hundred lions into, (laughs) like, all around the United States, people are going to be like, well, we just need to learn to cohabitate with lions now. It's just, you know, you leave your kids out in the street and they end up getting eaten. That's just a part of the world we live in. No. No. You get, like, the National Guard and the Army together and you hunt those bitches down. You kill them. And you kill them. Like, I'm sorry. The, the, with Jurassic Park, that's another thing. They have just cartoon villains. It becomes a complete, like, Saturday morning cartoon by the time they get to the to the house. Mm. In the original Jurassic Park, there's no, quote-unquote, villains. Yeah. It's a discussion. Um, it, it's, it's what great sci-fi should be. Because yeah. Jurassic Park is science fiction. Mm-hmm. And... John Hammond isn't a bad guy, no, technically speaking. He's not. He has the best, the best intentions. But he's very likable. That's yes. what makes it such an. That's what makes them all such interesting characters mm-hmm. in an interesting film. But with here, you have bad guys being, I'm bad guy. Like they literally should. They're cartoon villains. Um, they can you have know, Buffalo you, yeah. Bill yeah. literally tearing teeth out of dinosaurs. Oh, I'm I'm a bad military guy because I'm in the military, 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 and it's like okay. And then what 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 made dinosaurs so like majestic was the fact that it 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 felt like in in a sense it it dinosaurs are almost proof that magic is real mm. because they're this otherworldly unknown they're like dragons you know like you just look at them and you're like nothing like this could ever exist but you know in your mind that they did exist they were real they sat on this world where we sit now and that's what makes them just so awe-inspiring and wondrous and also the fact that they're they're animals yeah you know there's they're not evil they're not good they're just living beings that being said though in the first mm-hmm. jurassic park velociraptors were as used they're as... terrifying right but they're not evil they're just an animal it's the same thing well, with from our lion. perspective they're pretty evil but what i'm saying is they could they're not they're not inherently evil because they're just animals they're hunting they cut all pretense of that right 
by having these new modified ones where like well these are the bad guy um dinosaurs they very clear indominus rex and now indominus raptor indoraptor whatever the hell it's called now wasn't it already a raptor in jurassic world it, w- it was already part raptor so now it's two-thirds raptor i don't now it moves faster i don't get it i don't know what the point of Chance that is <laughs> chance the rapper no here's the thing though it's like again I, I, it's just like i know it's not a good movie at all and i'm not gonna defend it i, don't, I didn't like it mm-hmm. but it's just like there were so many points where I, I could literally just like yell at the at the screen for what happened so you again the first thing they do just to get that that piece of um indo rex dna oh, the bone right right first of all why would you assume that there is any bone left when it was wasn't it seen at least by Bryce Dallas Howard that that was eaten by the he megalodon right yeah yeah right plus that's such a huge place like you really okay it's but we're getting uh, a little too nitpicky I'll, I'll give the film a lot of leeway but I mean it's I mean personally it's uh, but just stay on that just a little bit because it's just mm-hmm. who in their right mind would open at any point the doorway because mm-hmm. I mean because they go in there thinking oh it's been like two three years it whatever was here it should be dead you don't at least throw something in there to check just test it just hover some because that's too much of a risk don't you think too much of a risk and I get it like maybe they're I can give them some leeway you know they're, they're these mercenaries that they're they high risk, high reward, right. whatever. But then also they have other moments where like they're telling at the guy, run, come here, come here. Like obviously there's something behind him. And I call it alien just, covenant syndrome. And he's just yelling like, I can't hear you. Like <laughs> dumbass. Obviously if they're yelling at you. You're on an island full of dinosaurs. And he was also, but what makes it worse is he was the character they were showing was terrified. So if someone, you should, if you're a terrified individual and you see someone screaming like, oh my God, just going crazy, immediately you're going to freak out and look everywhere and maybe start to run um, and like not, not just even if you still. don't, not just stand still and be like, I can't hear you guys speak louder over the, the roaring um, T-Rex. T-Rex and the rain and the helicopter. You have to give, give a shit about the characters. And to be able to give a shit about them, they have to... There are no characters in this movie. There's no characters. That's the thing, too. That's the thing. And then also the Megalodon gets out in the beginning of the movie. And then it's just... That's just... It's out. I will say this. I want to say this. Um, I don't put the blame on the director, Jay, no. Jay Bayona, because... He tries like a motherfucker Some of the to shots make in this, this movie. film work. Yeah. Like he really tries to give the film life. He he fails ultimately, but I I have to give him. We can't so work much around credit. a bad script. He didn't write the script. The script is god awful. Mm-hmm. Like everything bad with this film comes back to the script. And I if you had given this director a great script, I think you would have come out Let with him something write his own. wonderful. Yeah. Well, not all directors are screenwriters, right. but whether he wrote it on his own or someone else wrote it for him, if he had a good script, 
he has great direction, and, and I definitely think he could have knocked something out of the park. But the problem is, um, this was written by the person who, at once upon a time, was going to write and direct Star Wars Episode Nine. How terrifying would that be right now? Like right now, <laughs> like walking out of this and being like, I get, I would have given up all hope. Is, I oh, I gave up all hope the minute they 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 announced that he was going to direct Episode Nine. I'm like, why? We've gone over this. Yeah, but. As much as... Well, he's gone now. He's which, gone now, yeah. which is good. And as much as I have my issues with J.J.'s storytelling, um, his mystery box thing is such bullshit. And he really... He has such wonderful qualities that are just held down by his inability to just stop with his fucking mystery box thing and aping better directors. That being said... Million times better than Colin Trevorrow, <laughs> just a million times better, and like, like a lot of people when they fired him, were like they didn't let Colin Trevorrow have his script, and I'm like, good. Have you? This should this should shut up anyone that was saying that because this was just the worst goddamn script I've ever seen. Um, again, Jurassic uh, Park wasn't the smartest film in the world but like I've, I've said before a, a certain level of disbelief is needed and also welcome in the in these kind of films but it only works if the characters and the script are actually good they're actually compelling like in the original Jurassic Park um, it's it's an incredibly dumb moment, not moment, but a dumb thing that the the T-Rex is able to sneak up and eat the Velociraptor right as it jumps at Alan Grant and, and the kids. Like, Some it's literally people would just... even call that overly convenient, yes. kind of calling it lazy writing, mm -hmm. being mad at it stupidly. But you see... Those are the kind of moments that are okay. Those are, those are, you know, when we look back at films, so many of the our favorite films have these logic breaks to be able to tell a compelling story. And that's what is necessary, I think, to bring such wonder and excitement and just feeling of adventure to the film but this film takes that and just runs with it to where everything is just so darn stupid it's 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 just a cartoon and not a very good cartoon props to bd wong though he getting that paycheck too he just walks in and walks out bd wong i vote him best villain of um 2018 <laughs> hey what? Why best? Be be Did you not see the way he like closed the suitcase with those vials in a harumph kind of way? Didn't you see where he's like, you can't sell that dinosaur. It's worth like a million dollars. Which is another <laughs> thing. They sold their dinosaurs. For how much they sold all the dinosaurs, it was less than the production budget of the film. <laughs> 
you you need to give the audience a branch at least to latch on to your that idea. being said this movie just crossed a billion dollars worldwide becoming the 35th movie in all time to cross one billion dollars <sighs> i don't want to call out certain countries but come on china come on man like i love you guys you guys are awesome do you yeah i do they're great but when it comes to films they just they always save the stupidest worst franchises it felt like this movie just crossed the billion dollars without even trying it it didn't it did (laughs) but those are the films that succeed in china right i don't know what it is can you just imagine if we had a really kick-ass jurassic world trilogy what that would look like if anything I don't know. For me, honestly, I really feel like the. I, mean, I I think the problem is the people involved, first of all. But honestly, again, though, there only really has been one good Jurassic Park movie at the end of the day. So I I do I do feel much like Ghostbusters and a lot of other films. Yeah. It's 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 lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It works once. It's great, and then there's there's nowhere you can really go from there. Like a Pixar original. Like a like a Pixar original, except if you're Toy Story, yeah, but only two, of them, not three. Sequels. Not 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 three sequels, just two. There's very specific guidelines laws to this. or something. Yes, more laws guidelines. of nature. Right, the laws of nature. Well, I guess that'll be Jurassic Park three or Jurassic World three anyway. The laws of nature. By the way, I'm holding a very nice mm-hmm. phone. Did you get this at Disneyland? Can yeah, you, I got can you it describe at your phone case? I love this. This is the um, best I've seen. Well, I went to Disneyland and over at, um, what's it called? Star Wars Launch Bay. Launch Bay, yes. They have this really cool thing where you can uh, purchase phone cases and they have a whole bunch of, um, they have little computers. You put which phone you have. You, you, you get to customize it? You customize oh. it. You could say um, what design you want. And mm-hmm. it doesn't just have it for Star Wars. It has it for Marvel. Has it for Disney? They had these beautiful cocoa ones. Like oh there was, my god! There was so many like really nice looking phone cases. Um, there was actually one. There was it was like sort of three D of the original Star Wars poster. Mm-hmm. I have too old of a phone though, so it didn't have that one for mine. Oh, it it had it for like oh, um, newer phones? more newer phones. Like I guess this one. Yeah, the like the, like 7, yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mine, I did get a nice Ralph McQuarrie painting That's of beautiful. Luke flying mm-hmm. um, through the Death Star. And I got that one. You can even put your name on it. But I, And just so we can get more personal, um, on Peter's phone, his screensaver is still the poster of Star Wars The Last Jedi, the worst film ever made. Well, this is the thing. When The Force Awakens, the when the, the poster first dropped, I put that as my, my um, screensaver. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do this on purpose. But it just so happened I never changed it until until <laughs> the last Jedi poster came out. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, if it ain't folk broke, why fix it? So I had that too, but then it changed somewhere along the way. But I think uh, I have uh, Avengers: Infinity War on my uh, phone screensaver right here. So no, but that's because you're a Marvel bitch. Yeah, I am. Deal with it. Yeah. Um. I think the big irony in all of this is that the, the two films we, did, we we just discussed, one of them was good-ish, one of them was not at all, um, and yet, from I think, I think Peter and I can definitely can stay at can state at this point is that 
this is easily um, again uh, Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2 I'm not sure because they came out in late April and I guess one came out in May but aside from those two and Hereditary but again it's like Hereditary I wouldn't even include in like the blockbuster summer thing it's just it's a great film that came out in the summer but if we're going to go along the, along the guidelines of what makes a summer blockbuster and we love going to see summer blockbusters yeah. I think this has been, without a doubt, the most disappointing summer in recent memory in terms of the quality of the films. And yet, ironically enough... Easily, easily, easily. easily. Yeah, ironically enough, it's the most successful box box office-wise in, like, years. Really? Yeah, because, look, you had... When was the last time you can say, especially in the summer, where you had two films open up back-to-back that that have opened over a hundred million dollars, because you had Incredibles two at one eighty, mm-hmm. then you had Jurassic World at one fifty, one forty. Yeah, I think it was even. I think it was one fifty. I think it was one fifty. Which, oh, come on, guys, <laughs> stop it. Just let it stop. Just stop. But then does does Avengers Infinity War count as the summer? I count. Oh, uh, it's late April. I would count it. Okay, let's count it. Um, Deadpool two counts. Deadpool definitely counts. Yeah, it, it's what 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 other films are coming out? I don't. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Mission Impossible. I think. I'm, I'll, Christopher I'll, Robin. I'm. De- Whoa. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. Like it's like there's nothing. It's like a barren wasteland. And like, at this point, usually we're we're coming up on mid July. This is the point where the the big names are like gotten out of the way with, and we get to more of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. But the big names have been such disappointments that yeah, it feels like it hasn't even started really. I mm-hmm. don't know what to say. I just like I, it makes me feel empty inside. At least we got Solo, <laughs> a, a Star Wars story. I forgot that movie happened. It happened. No okay. one saw it, but it happened. It happened? Yes. If Solo opens up in theaters and no one goes to see it, did it really happen? Yes, but no one cares. So either <laughs> way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that'll do it for this episode. Yeah. I think it's always a great it's a great thing that we ended on such a downer, which is, I think, trademark us. Um, we're going to have future episodes coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to be reviewing TV shows because I think we just said that movies have begun have, have really just so depressing. There's some great TV out there right now. We're going to be talking about that pretty soon. Um, and yeah. 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 You can catch Red Spotlight on all of, uh, the, uh, social medias on YouTube and podcasts and Google play and, uh, iTunes and everything. Um, I'm Alexis, and this is Peter, and until next time, the... Okay, bye.